All right. What are we doing here, Sam? Uh, this is our Mail Call Monday episode, or our Monday Mail Call, whichever <laughs> you prefer. <laughs> um, and we are going to take the comments and questions that people have left us on various social media platforms um, and answer them. <laughs> yes. So let's get started. Um, a, uh, a commenter on the website said, great first show. Can't wait for it to be a regular thing. Side note, I'm studying to be an archivist and the ethics of deciding what deserves preservation and issues of preserving the context it was in made it really interesting. So, yay. I'm excited that we have like another history person who's listening. Not just like, not that I don't not enjoy having paranormal people listen, but like someone to appreciate the aspect of it. <laughs> right. Especially since there wasn't much paranormal no. on, on no. the, the first episode, Mm-mm. just sort of mistaken hints of the yes. paranormal, which is going to be kind of a recurring thing in some topics. There's some topics that are <laughs> not paranormal, but they kind of want to make it so. Um Brendan uh, on Instagram says, great job, guys. I want to say that the episode was entertaining, but that seems like it diminishes the absolutely disturbing nature of the story. I can see why it became lore. I may have laughed too many times for a story so grim. I guffawed at the ghost bit, but as this falls into what I consider edutainment, I guess it's okay to learn with laughter. Sad, depressing laughter. Yeah, there was a lot of sad, depressing laughter mm. with, with this one. It's a, it is a yeah, grim is the best word for the story. What do you think about edutainment? Uh, I I like the thought of edutainment. Working in public history, I feel like a lot of what I do is edutainment (laughs) because (laughs) people are choosing to spend their their leisure time, their leisure dollars, whatever it might be with me. And so I, you know, they're not necessarily coming just for a straight lecture. I need to make it entertaining somehow and um so yeah i think this falls into a a podcast can certainly be a form of public history um so i like that yeah i i I think it's sort of sort of thing i was thinking was was we we hope you learn something but Mm -hmm. nobody should cite us in a research paper no um no (laughs) no we'll we'll tell you that there are newspapers we went to find and, and you can Look at those things. Um, yeah. but, Use uh, us like Wikipedia. You can start here and then follow our <laughs> citations to find the real yes. sources. <laughs> yes. And, and if, if there's ever a citation needed, we will uh, we will note that as well. And yes. um, listener Krista sort of on that point says that uh, she loves how we talked about the sources historians use and how we know what we do and don't know. Mm-hmm. So it, it's all about knowing and acknowledging that um, – that we don't know everything and we don't necessarily have all the sources with the dudgeon swamp story. Hopefully we're able to get our hands on more uh, down the road as we're Mm -hmm. working on that. But um, yeah. Okay. Ah, about, uh, about the the case itself. Uh, Listener Shelley mentioned the poison and remarked, uh, quote, I also question how they could run effective tests on David's body after the and Romy's body, actually, after the body was in the ground so long between decomposition and potential contamination from the surrounding soil. It'd be hard to get any sort of decent sample to test. And a, a Twitter follower also pointed out that the state expert mentioned strychnine a lot. But Mita's sort of, I think we can say, coerced confession referred mm-hmm. to arsenic, which is, yeah, one of those 
one of the many, many head scratchers of of this case. What do you think about the the body decomposition thing or any of it? Yeah, I mean, I'm sure they just at that time didn't quite comprehend um, things and understand things the way that that we do today, you know. Um, and so they probably. I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know the history of science, but I wouldn't be surprised if if they didn't quite understand that that long ago, maybe, you know, you wouldn't be able to get an uh, an adequate sample. But I also don't know, like, what the breakdown of some of these poisons would be. So, like, you know, I mean, different elements have have different decay rates, right? And yeah. different different <laughs> things. So I it's something I don't know enough about to comment on um, yeah, from an I'm, educated perspective, but it does make you wonder, um, you know, what, what they could have done successfully. Yes. And I think the decay rates are, are significant to think about. And also well, the, the contamination to yeah. the aspect there, there's lots of, I mean, depending on where a body is buried mm-hmm. and what seeps in, I would think other chemicals could possibly get into the tissues somehow. But again, historians, not scientists. So, yes. yeah. <laughs> um, Kirk uh, says, great start. Do you have a plan on how often the episodes will come out? It's going to be every other Monday yep. is is our plan with Monday mail call, mail call Monday, sort of on <laughs> the, the alternate Mondays and Friday favorites uh, Fridays on Instagram and YouTube linked to various places. We like I think alliteration it to our Facebook stories too, right? Yeah. Yeah. It goes yeah. to the Facebook stories as well. If you, uh, if you've ever noticed that those are a thing that exist, <laughs> which I think a lot of people still might not. I think um, Facebook is trying really hard to make us notice that they exist. I know yes. when I scroll down all of a sudden in my newsfeed, it'll be someone's Facebook story. It's like, I- yeah, Facebook. Like you're you're not Instagram. Stop trying. <laughs> I'm, I'm just because you bought Instagram doesn't mean we right. want you to act like Instagram. Right. I, I'm getting notifications that people have added to their stories yes. now, and that's yep. that's annoying. Um, yep. Occasionally, I have notifications that are actually things I want to see, which <laughs> is rare. Um, Old Stone Cold wrestling fan probably uh, <laughs> says, "Great first episode. Really enjoyed. Scratches that underutilized history honors itch I have." Questions, Aaron. Does the saucer wife prefer this kind of topic to your usual stuff? So, um, over on the saucer life, uh, my other podcast, my uh, my <laughs> wife, the saucer wife, sometimes pops in to to give her opinion on things, and I asked her this question. You know, how does the because she listened to the episode, um, this episode, and I said, well, you know, compared to the flying saucer stuff. What do you uh, what do you think? And um, she generally prefers this topic, uh, this type of topic. She's not one of these gory true crime people, but sort of fraud and financial crime and swindles <laughs> are fun. We we liked the Lula Rich documentary and the Nexium Cult documentary, and um, what was the other one? Oh, Firefest. The Fire Festival one. So yeah, those types of Tiger topics. Tiger King. Tiger King. Tiger <laughs> King. Classic. Classic. And more generally, sort of the, the true crime thing. Um, how do you both feel uh, about stories like this um, that are often told in true crime podcast land, particularly newer cases or such? How can we avoid being sensationalist and voyeuristic when it comes to these tales of suffering? What do you think, Sam? Uh, I... Well, I, th- I think a lot of it comes down to why your intentions behind 
doing the thing, right? So like we were really interested in digging back to the original sources and trying to figure out what really happened and, you know, correct potentially um, a, a legend that has been misinterpreted for, you know, a hundred years possibly. Um, and if you're doing it to get thrills, <laughs> I don't know, you know, watch, watch a fiction maybe. Um, but, but I, I mean, there are lessons to be learned always, I think. But again, it, it just depends on, I think, the the perspective and the goals that you have in in doing it and doing the research and watching or enjoying or whatever. I, I think more recent stuff is a lot more problematic. Yeah. I, I think some, something that we can approach as historians is, you know, you're well, I was going to say you're, you're not affecting anybody still alive, but the one woman, um, Dorothy Brooks Hodel or Hodel Brooks wrote that book. And clearly she's still very affected by these things that happened before she was born uh, because of the impact they had on the family. I'm acquainted with some true crime podcasters who, and this is the sort of thing that would keep me away from anything very recent. They receive lots and lots of sometimes very scary responses from people who follow these stories and have very strong feelings mm -hmm. about things one way or the other. So um, that's difficult. And there's the, the, the case this last week of, of the, the, the woman who went missing and then was found, um, was found dead. That, that's sort of, the media attention on certain sensationalistic cases does lead to that voyeurism and does sort of sort of give the impression that there aren't numerous victims of crime mm -hmm. throughout this country yeah. every day that are simply not as well known or as, mm -hmm. as photogenic or as mm -hmm. you know placed in a certain you know socioeconomic class mm -hmm. or, or or racial category, and I, I think that's you know at its worst the true crime sort mm -hmm. of genre and that style of news reporting can, can can sort of sort of amplify some things and and minimize the suffering of uh, of others. It, yeah, and I think when people you know kind of start playing armchair detective and. Um, you know, looking at things that way, thinking they can solve it. I think sometimes that can hinder uh, the way that folks who've been doing a job for a very long time and were trained in it and, and know how to approach things, um, you know, can can get in the way of that. I think about the documentary I watched about the vanishing at the Cecil Hotel. Um, it was on Netflix. I watched it, I don't know, at the beginning of the year sometime. And, um, you know, there were so many people in like an online community who were trying to figure out what happened. And, you know, so all of these little conspiracy theories and, and, and little things started cropping up and, you know, these people were poking around the hotel on their own. And, um, you know, I, that's not quite okay. <laughs> um, when, when there's an ongoing investigation and, you know, actual detectives are trying to to do some kind of a, a job of their own. Um, so I think that's something you can run into too when you start researching cases that, you know, are are more recent as well. Yeah. And and also, you know, I think this is a thing that probably happens more than we like to admit. Don't find people whose names you've seen in the news and hassle them yes. on social media um, while a crime is being investigated mm -hmm. or right after a documentary about the crime comes out i mean yeah don't go and see how they're feeling about it don't try to be their friend don't 
tell them that they should have been arrested because clearly they did it because you watched the documentary and, yeah. and you know the truth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, um, oh, oh, Rodney on Facebook is concerned that one episode in, and I'm already picking on Oscar, the beast of Busco, <laughs> which is, um, a cryptid from my home, uh, area that is a turtle that's a little larger than average. It's, it's the original mm-hmm. horribly lame cryptid. Uh, but we do have, um, turtle days in Cherubusco. Oh. Uh, yeah, turtle days. So <laughs> go get yourself a, a funnel cake, get <laughs> nauseous on the, uh, the tilt a whirl and, and turtle days is, is all right. And finally, we've got a good comment to end on from, uh, Black Wolf on Twitter. He says, incongruous garb is my Wu Tang name. <laughs> so, um, yeah, absolutely. I, I think that's, uh, that's a, a good, uh, a good comment. So, Sam, what uh, what can people expect coming up on the show? Um, so coming up, we'll have, you know, other cases like this and you can expect us to keep, um, you know, diving into into the sources. Um, that was one one review that we had on on Apple Podcasts um, app, you know, mentioned that they enjoyed how we, you know, trace back to the original sources. And so that's what we're always going to try to do. Obviously, there are limits <laughs> um, to that, both availability, geographic, you know, all all kinds of limits. Um, but, you know, we want to research things fairly. So with our next episode, which I think we already mentioned um or with our next episode which i think we mentioned in our last episode the mad gasser of mattoon um you know we're looking at newspapers again i did another family search (laughs) search on somebody and um you know we're we're analyzing those sources which is the most boring thing i think to say yes (laughs) but it brings out a great story (laughs) it does and um we've got a, a a you know also the pitfalls of these things um sometimes things just aren't there mm-hmm. and i'll tell a little story about disappointing mail i got today so um you can look forward to that when we talk about the mad gasser of mattoon illinois so thank you for watching if you have been and uh remember to uh to check us out on um, all the social media stuff um, twitter and instagram and Facebook at uh, Great Lakes Lore and GreatLakesLore.com. Yeah, and be sure to rate and review us on you know your podcast app, whatever it is that you're listening on. Um, we would love to to hear what you think about what we're doing. Absolutely. All right. Any last words? I'm glad it's fall. Me too. Yes. It's, <laughs> it's nice. It's it's nice. It's cool. Yep. It's rainy except when it's Mm -hmm. sunny. Yeah. All right. (laughs) All right. That's all I got. (laughs) Okay. Thanks a lot. Bye. (laughs) Bye. Okay. We are here for Monday mail call. Samantha, how are you? I'm doing well. How about you? I'm not bad. We are recording this at uh, some undisclosed time and in (laughs) undisclosed places. So we've got a number of really interesting questions mm-hmm. about the Mad Gasser of Mattoon episode. And we've got, uh, we've got a number of them, sort of a series of questions from the Forgotten Darkness podcast, which uh, is a really clever way to have a sort of yeah, podcast. Mention their podcast. podcast. <laughs> that, that's good. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> we'll um, have to start doing that. <laughs> we'll have to start doing that. It's, it's like we'll s- submit questions to other right. podcasts. As, as, yeah. Um, 
I could have just said FDP on Twitter says. <laughs> so first of all, they uh, they wonder if the gasser had anything to do with a woman in black seen in Mattoon years before. At the very least, they say, I'd assume that contributed to the hysteria around it. We did not find any um, records or mention in the newspaper articles during the incident of of any woman in black prowler being connected to um, to what was going on. Yeah, and uh, as far as uh, whenever I see the phrase "women in black," I think about Nick Redfern's book uh, on women in black, which I don't have. So I'm wondering if he addresses that in um, in that book, and if so. Um, get a hold of it and check it out and see if there's mm-hmm. anything interesting there um forgotten darkness also uh, also observes that it's kind of funny this is a quote quote it's kind of funny that what's his name uses a high heel shoe print uh, oh farley or not farley um maruna scott maruna uses um a high heel shoe print as evidence it was llewellyn's when as far as i know that showed up in one of the botetot cases not mattoon I feel like something else I've read about the gasser has made that mistake too, though, but I can't recall where it was. Lauren Coleman's bit in Mysterious America, maybe. And I looked into this one, so I will address mm-hmm. this one. Um, this is weird. The well, It's kind of weird. It shows up in the Mattoon case, and we didn't touch on it except for what Maruna said about the Llewellyns. Because when we were going through it, looking through the primary sources, it did not show up in the paper. But when you Google around on this, it does show up, I believe, in Lauren Coleman's book. But it also shows up in the show notes of about half a dozen different podcasts that cover the Mad Gasser. And the sentence is always frighteningly similar. It's, on September 13th, the last Mad Gasser attack took place, colon, and it might have been the strangest of all. They're all structured like that. So I, I, I didn't check to see which one was the first to do this. I have a feeling um, Astonishing Legends was the first to cover this one. And people maybe cribbed their show notes a little bit. Not accusing anybody of every, anything. But <laughs> it, it, I'd send it up for plagiarism if I saw it. Uh, so <laughs> they said it was a woman named Bertha Bench. And her son, Orville. Who, well, the, the people who were attacked. The people who were attacked. Yes, not the yeah, one not, leaving the footprint. No, 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 no. <laughs> the, the, the people who found the, the high-heeled footprint yeah. in, uh, in their yard. And so this sent me down a rabbit hole of looking for Bertha Bench. And there's no record of Bertha Bench in, um, in, in the newspapers, in the, the Journal Gazette, Matunda Journal Gazette, or the Chicago Tribune that, that covered the story. Same thing for Orville Bench. Then I went into family search and looked for Bertha Bench. I could not find a Bertha Bench anywhere in the area. Found a Bertha Bunch, <laughs> but not in the right place at the right time. But at least there was a Bertha Bunch in Illinois. So then I went back to Maruna's book. And he mentions this case and says the name is Bertha Bentz, B-E-N-C-E, not Bench. Was there a Bertha Bentz? I looked it up on family search. It looks like... The, it was it's more likely that a based on census records from 40 and 50 that a woman named Bertha Bentz would have been at least in Illinois in 1944 maybe but since they don't do the census every year it's hard to tell where people might be from one 
decade to the next. Mm -hmm. So why didn't this show up in our research of the Mattoon Journal Gazette? Well, Maruna in his book, which, well, I have some problems with it. He did a really good job of explaining this. The last two attacks, the one with the woman's high heeled shoe print and the one with, was it a strange hairy creature or a little man who fired the gas at the people? I'm, yeah. I'm trying to remember those two attacks. The people did not go to the police with them and they did not go to the Mattoon Journal Gazette. They went to the Chicago Herald American, which was a newspaper that ceased publication in 1953. And they told their stories directly to that newspaper. And there is no, there are no archives of the Herald American anywhere on the internet. I checked the Library of Congress. I think the closest one to where we are is in like Urbana-Champaign, Illinois. Mm. So, or maybe probably the Chicago Public Library, but uh, not easily accessible, not something that we would have had access to while preparing the episode. But one thing that jumps out is that in all of these, these cases where, um, these, or these instances where this particular case is discussed, it's just sort of presented as matters of fact as one in the sequence of events. Nobody footnotes any of this stuff. Mm. Nobody mm-hmm. says, you know, the story about the high-heeled shoe print woman was <laughs> in the September 14th, 1944 issue of the Chicago Herald American, page two. There's nothing like that. It's just stories in this. And, you know, even, even books like, you know, Lauren Coleman's Monsters in America. He does a good job of telling the story, but you don't have as extensive a bibliography as you would need to go and check the stories out for yourself, which, if I'm being cynical, means that you could do anything with the <laughs> stories. But long story short, there were reports, there was a report of a high-heeled shoe print in the Mattoon cases. So there we go. It's just it's just one of those things that's not very well, not very well documented. And a good example why it's fun to have historians doing this research now, right? Because we, we like to track footnotes. What was that? Footnotes, footnotes, footnotes. Yes. Um, but, but that also is how, you know, legends get, you know, made, twisted, changed, whatever, because, you know, they're just, I mean, especially when you're listening to podcasts, right? It's almost like these, oral tradition stories that just keep on evolving um, as they're told over and over and over again. So um, I think especially with podcasts, you know, it's, it's nice to discuss (laughs) where, where we're finding this information. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. And um, sort of along the same, maybe in the same vein as, as, as the first question about the woman in black, as far as what might've been on people's minds Mm -hmm. while this was going on. Uh, Old Stone Cold from Instagram asks, has anything, let me start that over, (laughs) had anything about the Holocaust come out around this time? Could explain some of the fears of gas. And we both looked into this one a little bit, right? Yes. Yeah. So I found um, online, it was, to be honest, a History Channel essay, but... That's acceptable. <laughs> it's okay. All right. Yeah. Okay. Um, but it said that uh, in 1942 is when sort of one of the first big um, 
articles came out um, in a in a publication about the gassing of of Jews in concentration camps um, during during the war. And so by the time the Mattoon things are happening, um, they certainly would have potentially heard of this going on. Of course, there's no way for us to know exactly what was on the minds of folks, if that was something they were thinking of, or, you know, it was a, a far removed thing um, from them, but, but it was something that they could have known. Um, and additionally, uh, you know, gassing, you know, by this point could have been also more of a, a fear of like as a murder weapon or, or whatever, um, because we'd had H.H. Um, H. Holmes, um, you know, who gassed and did terrible things to a lot of women um, during the uh, 1892 Columbian Exposition in Chicago. So, um, you know, there was, those things were happening um, and, and, you know, could have been on the minds of people. Chemistry was evolving a lot at that time. And what I looked at and, and sort of found was that in 1944, summer of 1944, so, so not too long before before these attacks, you had some, you know, push from Jewish groups in the United States uh, to, to sort of pushing for bombing of some of the concentration camps, and that's you know, which which was not you know not done. Um, they bombed factories very nearby. They bombed rail lines, you know, going into the camps, I believe. But uh, bombing, you know, the the gassing facilities themselves was not done, which is still a subject of of some debate. I know in, in my history of the Holocaust class, we talk about that, you know, a bit. So, you know, what could what could the Allies have done? And you know, would, would bombing the camps have been a good thing, or would it have just killed everybody in the camps? So, uh, like like you said, Sam, it's hard to know what's on people's minds that isn't mm-hmm. reported in the media. It's one of those things where. Maybe 30 years ago, when more of these people were still alive, it would have been interesting to take some oral histories of the mm-hmm. time of the Mad Gasser. That would have been that'd be that, yeah. that, that, that <laughs> would have been that would have been fun, worthwhile um, project. <laughs> yes, yes, you could you could have gotten an NEH grant for that. You know, mm-hmm. no question. <laughs> uh, but was it on some people's minds? I, I don't doubt it. Mm-hmm. I, I would think that anything involving gas, there's a number of things that would run through people's minds, from the chemical warfare that we mm-hmm. talked about in the episode to uh, to Nazi gas chambers, to things like H. H. Holmes. People saying, "I remember Grandpa telling me about right. the time he, he called himself H. H. Holmes and was ga- <laughs> gassing women in Chicago." Whoops. So uh, Scott from Twitter observes that uh, there are a lot of paranormal events uh, that I think are caused by two unusual but banal things happening at the same time. So I suspect Mrs. Kearney got sick from something normal, and at the same time, a burglar was outside, (laughs) maybe one with strong aftershave. What do you think about that, Sam? Possible. (laughs) It's not impossible. Um, it's, It's Yeah. I mean, our mind wants to sort of relate things, right? Like the brain is created in a way where it sees patterns and creates relationships and whatever to try to make sense of everything around it. So if she's trying to figure out why all of a sudden for 30 minutes her legs wouldn't work, um, wait, I heard something outside and smelled something weird, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it could have been any number. I like this yeah. idea of, of the brain finding patterns mm-hmm. in things. We're going to see... Uh, we're going to see that in a number of, of stories mm-hmm. that I think we cover. Um, 
pareidolia and uh, things like that. Dolia, pareidolia. Do- dolia, I always say it wrong. Um, <laughs> thank you for You're welcome. For that. You're, yeah, <laughs> and uh, Scott also says the reference to a hot dog dinner, that always makes me chuckle, uh, the reference <laughs> to a hot dog dinner makes me wonder if later the police figured out it was botulism, the symptoms are about the same, but didn't want to call her a liar. I, I can see, especially once other calls start coming in, it's like, oh, we think her, in her case it was botulism, but uh, the lady's been through a lot. You know, so <laughs> just, just, yeah, just don't worry about that one. Also, why were the sisters counting large amounts of cash? Never really understood that. This was in one of the newspaper articles, and I, when we were working on the notes, I, was, I, didn't, I, I didn't think about sort of including that because it was kind of vague but the article said something along the lines of the women had received their allotments that day and were counting the money they don't say what kind of allotment mm-hmm. it was there were, were were still there's still some vestiges of new deal programs going on at mm-hmm. the time uh, so these might have been payments for something like that uh, it doesn't say what kind of allotments, but it was some sort of payout the women had received, mm-hmm. and they were going through the money together. Mm-hmm. So that's that's as much as I know, which is <laughs> more than you guys knew from when we talked about it on the show. Um, a final comment about uh, about this episode. Kirk on uh, Facebook says, on a certain date. The local paper pivoted and noticeably began toning down its headlines and stories about the alleged incidents. Do you infer that law enforcement impressed upon them to try and cool things off? If so, would this constitute conspiracy? So, um, Aaron and I discussed this and, um, where there are two possibilities. So I'll share what, what my thought is. And then, um, Aaron, if you want to share, share your thought. Um, but you know, I wonder if, you know, the, you know, the police are really trying to crack down on, on all of these, you know, calls of prowlers, gassings, you know, all this kind of thing. So if somebody called in with a false report or something like that, um, you know, they, they were going to get in trouble, Um, And so perhaps the newspaper, you know, didn't want to be seen as, you know, fanning the flames of of this paranoia and false reporting and whatever, perhaps they were worried about, you know, what what could happen, maybe, you know, um, there had been talks of, (laughs) hey, you know, you guys better not, you know, use these crazy headlines anymore, because um, you're making our job hard. (laughs) Yeah, and my thought was along sort of the same lines, and I think this echoes a little bit of what Maruna talked about in his book. Um, There was a sense that sort of throughout this whole process of these investigations that the local cops were just not capable of getting the job done. Mm -hmm. They were not figuring out what was going on. They were having to call in the state police. Mm -hmm. And then remember the, the sort of armed mobs roaming the Mm -hmm. streets watching out for things following the cops Mm -hmm. to the sites this isn't just maybe we can catch the gasser i think part of it was let's see if the police are doing their jobs if these cases continue to be reported at the level they were being reported i can imagine the head of the police thinking ah we are going to just keep looking worse unless Mm -hmm. we figure out a way to make it look like there was really no crime for us to solve in the first place 
<laughs> so I, I think you can take a conspiratorial view on mm-hmm. this a, a little bit. And um, I, I think if, if the cops were, were trying to, um, you know, cajole the press into downplaying the story uh, in order to make the cops look more competent or less incompetent, I think that would absolutely be a conspiratorial thing. Absolutely. Or I've watched enough crime shows to know that sometimes the police just get very mad at the press and you know tell them not to not to report on those things because they need to keep some things on on the DL until yeah, things yeah. are solved. So well, we, we you have, know, well, it's um there was there was one one aspect of this that you know the police told the the press you know we we have a, a suspect in custody. Don't tell mm-hmm. anybody. Next day, Chicago Tribune, custody, <laughs> suspect in custody. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, a final uh, a final comment about uh, our first episode, the Dungeon Swamp episode, uh, and our observation that um, you know, attending trials for entertainment is, is sort of not a widespread hobby anymore. Mm-hmm. I don't know anybody who's done it. Um, uh, Joan sent into the website... Uh, or through the website, a message that um, it's still being done and a link to an article in the Wall Street Journal about two old ladies, sorry, two elderly women <laughs> in um, in uh, in Massachusetts, in Boston, who regularly go to trials and, you know, discuss and rate the performance of the lawyers and the witnesses and speculate about things like that. Whereas I was just, you know, watching the OJ trial in college. It's my experience (laughs) with, with trials, uh, being a spectator at trials. And I can only hope that as in 1920s, Michigan, um, these women, uh, get drafted onto a jury at some point because, (laughs) Hey, there's bystanders. We, we need to, uh, we need to do that. And another oh, one more comment about that first episode. Uh, Doc on uh, Twitter said that the story reminded him of the uh, the Donnelly family, the Black Donnellys in uh, southern Ontario, which we should probably look at because Ontario is on a great yeah. lake. So, one of our international episodes. Yes, an international <laughs> episode. Yeah, when we uh, when we run out of um, national. No, we'll, we'll mix it up. We'll, we'll mix it up. <laughs> We'll even include Pennsylvania and New York. <laughs> so, um, just kidding. We love Pennsylvania and New York aspects of them. So, but they're already like they're part of you know the the original colonies. Like we Great Lake states, we need to keep. <laughs> they have their colony status. <laughs> they, that's true. That's true. We we need something going for us out yeah. here besides besides water and be- snow. Water and snow and the best state fairs mm. the nation has. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I'd, I'd put ours up against uh, in the Midwest, up against like Texas, I think. Although I've heard Texas has some epic fried food down there. Mm. Do you have anything else, Sam? Because I don't. No, no, I don't. I can only hope that someday when I'm in my 70s, I can like throw back a few martinis and head down to the local courthouse to take in a trial. <laughs> that sounds like a life, doesn't it? Are you implying that Ruth Fisher, 77 of Boston, a retired sixth grade teacher, is showing up to these things having had a few martinis? Why wouldn't you? <laughs> That's a good point. That's a really good point. <laughs> Ruth, keep keep doing that. Keep going to those trials. Mm-hmm. All right. Um some announcements our next episode will be out next monday and sam what is it about um have we settled on a title (laughs) the personal is paranormal 
the paranormal. The paranormal is personal. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I wasn't sure if we we were brainstorming. I didn't know if we'd agreed on one or not. So, um, listeners, this is just the kind of behind the scenes (laughs) discussion that um, that we bring to the off week episodes with the yeah. It's a little. We I mean, we record remotely. We live an hour apart. This is when we get our business taken care of too. Pretty much. Pretty much. Usually, we do it before we hit record. Yes. But. we're going to be talking about personal stories, the nature of personal stories, why people are interested in weird topics. Mm-hmm. And we're going to be sharing, kind of as case studies, our own experiences with the weird and the paranormal. And, and how our, those – oh, sorry. And our histories with them, how we came to, to these topics. Uh, yeah, and, and how those experiences perhaps color how we look at, interpret – rate review whatever you know the the eyewitness accounts of other um personal paranormal encounters yes i i think uh, i think it'll be interesting it's a change mm-hmm. of pace from the last two episodes but it's gonna be uh, gonna be an interesting one the only other announcement i guess it's an announcement i have is that on october 31st there will be a special halloween installment Mm -hmm. where we will be answering your questions to us about anything related to the spooky the weird (laughs) the paranormal the strange doesn't have to be strictly halloween themed Mm -mm. but any questions you have send those in via social media channels in the comments under this post on the website email at great lakes lore podcast at gmail.com any of the ways you usually get a hold of us Mm mm-hmm for those of you who usually get a hold of us. Yes, which <laughs> it, it's it's been a – Yeah, we are getting me, great feedback, great participation. So yeah, we for, really appreciate it. For two episodes in, I mm-hmm. – yes, this is this is good. Keep keep it up. We enjoy, <laughs> we enjoy doing these mail calls. Yes. And we will do them after each episode. All right. Well, I have cookies to decorate, so – I have um, – I have some more uh, food to eat. I guess. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> All right. And I should probably get this processed and ready to go. So <laughs> this episode here. So thank you for joining us and be sure to check us out at greatlakeslore.com and on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram at Great Lakes Lore. All right. Bye, everybody. Bye.